Welcome to the Six Figure Roadmap, brought to you by LVRG.it. Leverage it, saving you money on the tools, software, and courses you use to grow your business every single day. Now, here's your host, Cam Martinez. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Roadmap, everyone. I'm excited to bring another amazing interview to you today on why you should be using controversy in your marketing. Kyrie Oliver is a former Division I football player and current digital marketer specializing in Facebook advertising. And although he has generated over $36 million for his clients in the last three years, he actually has no traditional marketing training. He's never read a marketing book or taken a marketing course, but what he has done is interview almost 900 people, which has made him a master at understanding human behavior and translating that into marketing mastery by understanding what causes people to buy and interact with products, services, and content the way that they do. So before we get into this interview, I want to go ahead and thank our sponsor for this episode. Start and grow the fastest and most profitable digital agency to dominate your competition by using the power of instant lead generating websites, funnels, and bots. If you're passionate about entrepreneurship and digital marketing, and you want to create or grow your agency that gives you recurring income on autopilot, then you need Insutanto. You can build instant professional websites to grow your business. You get unlimited funnels. It's a familiar WordPress-like feel. No tech skills are required. No coding is ever needed. And the founder and creator in Insutanto was generous enough to give our leverage customers a 20% discount on the agency subscription. We use this inside of our company. Just think of it as a WordPress ClickFunnels and Wix or Squarespace platform all combined into one software. It's amazing, it's easy, and it looks really, really good. So all you have to do is go to lvrg.it, sign up for the membership there, and then you get access to not only the 20% off Insutanto discount, but you'll get access to a lot of other deals and discounts on tools, software, and courses that we have inside of our membership. Without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Kyrie Oliver. I'm excited to hear your take on on how you do business and how you go about providing results for your clients. But I want you to talk talk to us about what your journey has been like without any traditional marketing training and how that has really created an abundance of clients and business for you. Yeah. I think it starts off a lot more difficult because I didn't have like the traditional training. So it wasn't, I didn't know the words to say to people to get them to buy. I didn't know, you know, I didn't really know how to sell my services that well, but when I did find clients, I got amazing results for them. So I started off working with a good friend of mine. Um, yeah. He, he'd hired a marketing company. They were just terrible. Like they completely screwed him over. And so I basically just said, hey, look, let me figure out what they do. And if I can duplicate it and do better than them, then just hire me and pay me a few hundred bucks a month. And so I just got him to hire me. I think it took me maybe two weeks to duplicate what they were already doing, like the results that they were already doing. And then from there, it was just like a humongous upswing. 
And so maybe three or four months after that, I started taking on other clients or at least reaching out to other clients, not very successfully. Um, so not really understanding the, the marketing side of it was difficult at first, but now it's become a gigantic differentiator where people come work with me when they're tired of marketers. Like that's almost all the people who refer me business. The first thing that they'll say is, hey, so-and-so referred me to you. And they said, you're the person to go to when I'm sick and tired of working with marketers. And I realized that I was, a lot of the things that are wrong with the marketing space, I don't even know about, and I'm not even, um, they're not even on my radar. Like, I don't know how to get over on people some of the ways that other marketers do, because I'm really not focused on it. Like, again, it's all human behavior thing for me. So like, I don't, and if you're not in the marketing space, you may not understand, but like, I don't house anybody's advertising accounts under my own name. It's all under their name so that they're open and they have access to it 24 seven. They can see what I'm doing. I realized a lot of marketing companies weren't. And so people didn't have access to their actual like metrics and what the company was doing for them. And that was a way that marketers were getting over on people. To me, it just made sense that the person should have access to their own accounts. And it was just kind of an accidental way that I'd set myself apart from other marketers. And that's just one example, but it's like, I kind of accidentally became a good business person through just thinking through what's going to be best for serving people. It reflects the way that you show up in the world, which is awesome. I'm curious though. So what, what were you doing when you were interviewing almost 900 people? What, what did that do for you and your business? What, what did that entail? So the point of it was to really get a good grasp of myself. Like it was, it's kind of started off as a selfish thing of like, okay, I know I want to help people. I don't know exactly how I want to help people. And I don't think that I have the, the experience to help them in the way that I want to. So how do I go find a, a bunch of experience in a very short amount of time? And I realized that I just start talking to people. And so I started off with like friends and family. And then it kind of, I started doing like doctors, lawyers, you know, my friend's uncle happened to be this like hedge fund manager and had managed like three, $4 billion. It was like, Ooh, I want to talk to him. Um, I've interviewed three death row inmates. Um, I conducted 65 end of life interviews. So for like terminal patients who were going to die within the next 90 days, I was able to conduct interviews with them and none of it ever stemmed around business. It was legitimately just like who you are as a person. What do you believe to be true about yourself and the world around you? What do you fear? What do you regret? Um, What keeps you up at night? What do you want said in your eulogy? Like just questions that would really just pop up in my head about who you are and how you show up in the world. And I realized just through the process, like I started picking up on a lot of trends on how we do things, how we conduct ourselves, how we view ourselves, how we react to certain stimuli, how we react to like different situations in life. And it just started really painting a picture of us as human beings to me. So were you, were you documenting, like, were you recording these things, documenting these things? I did the first 12 and then I stopped. Um, I realized two things when I was recording. One, I wasn't paying as much attention because I did the whole like, well, I can just listen back later since it's being recorded, knowing that I never would listen back. The second was they weren't as open when they knew that I was recording something. Mm. And so because it was being recorded, I felt people pulling back whenever I'd ask them maybe a follow-up question to something and try to dig a little bit deeper. You could tell they didn't want there was a hesitance because it was being recorded. 
And so I wanted to remove that because I wanted the genuine from people. And so I stopped recording and really just like, hey, I'm going to trust that whatever needs to stick will stick. And I still to this day, throughout my day, I'll hear something or I'll think of something and it reminds me of a specific interview. And I remember sitting across from that person. I remember sitting on the computer with that person. I remember the experience with that person. And so it still to this day pops up and is still like very relevant to me. Interesting. So it was like more personal documentation than really meant for business growth or anything. It was just, you wanted your own database of knowledge from various different types of people. Yeah. I didn't like, I didn't even know what a podcast was at the time. I realized now it would have been an amazing podcast, Yeah. but I didn't even know what a podcast was, nor did I have the money to even start one. So it was like, yeah, it was just all kind of my own now internal personal database. But you know, I, I've asked, had somebody ask like, what if somebody says that you're full of shit for saying that you've interviewed 900 people? To me, the only answer is ex- come experience me, like talk to me and, and hear the way that I think. I'm only 25. I just turned 25. I don't think or act like a normal 25 year old. That should give you at least a clue in on maybe I've got some experiences collected in my head that aren't just my own. Interesting, man. I just related to you so hard on that. I'm only 23. So, and I've done probably a hundred interviews now. Most of them are, are documented recorded, but I, it's so powerful. I, I always say how powerful podcasting is even just like the, the interviewing process. It's basically, um, we had a previous guest on before who said it's basically a free consultation session. Like you are allowing them to share their message, but they're also giving you information that you may not have known previously. So Mm -hmm. I I love that. And it really does kind of like spark that ingenuity and kind of different way of thinking, which you show all the time. I'm curious what your philosophy is on controversy in marketing. And how do you find that your personality being someone who's very open and honest translates into the marketing you do for your clients? I realize a lot of it has to do with I think of persuasion and like whenever we're selling to somebody, we're persuading in some way, shape or form. Some people manipulate. I choose to only stay in kind of that realm of persuasion. We're not using, uh, we're not using any falsehood. We're not using any hyperbole when we're talking. It's like, we're being very genuine, but it's all persuasion. So if I can submit a topic to my audience that on the surface they disagree with, But inside of our dialogue, we can find a common ground. I can then sell to that person. And so I just do it consistently through my content. The one thing that I do and I make sure I hold is it's something I genuinely believe. Like I post some things that may be seen as like as trolling. It genuinely never is. Like even if it's seen like that, I tell people it just gives you a good view of who I am. Like I've had people unfriend me. I've had people block me because of things I said because they know for a fact, it's something I genuinely believe. And so I'm not big on trolling posts. I'm not big on being controversial just for the sake of being controversial. I want to see the conversation. And what I realize is nobody else is having them. So why don't I become a platform for it? Why don't I talk about the things that we're not supposed to talk about? And I'll tell you my genuine belief on that thing, whether it's up front in the status or later in the comments. I'm almost always going to follow up with here's how I believe this thing to be, because I think that's important. Like I want to stay consistent with how I view things, how I pro- like project myself out, but I mostly want to create the dialogue. What is, what's been the feedback from those conversations? I'd say I, I'm, I'm 
have a very um, mixed bag. And I, I'm actually really happy about it because I've been accused before of having like an echo chamber of like a bunch of people who just agree with me. And the only thing I can say to that is I wouldn't have 300 comments on this thing if everybody agreed. Mm. Like it just never happens. The only way that you're able to create dialogue is having about the same number of people who agree versus the people who disagree or choose to challenge what I say. So I, I, that's something I always want to maintain as well is I want to make sure that I'm not only speaking to people who already agree with me. What do you think prevents people who started in similar circumstances to you or in the same, have been on a similar journey to you from getting to where you are now? I think it's two things. It's either too hard and they choose to do something else that's a little bit easier or they get pulled in the direction of the alluring, like quick win. I think the quick win really messes a lot of people, especially our age up. It's like, you, you know, you, you see this video and a dude who's talking about, I made a hundred grand my first 30 days and doing this thing and I'll teach you how to do the same. And a lot of people get trapped in that or they tra- get trapped in a cycle of it where it's like, okay, that guy was full of shit, but maybe this next guy's going to really teach me how to make a hundred grand in 30 days. So I think it's either it gets too hard and they pivot into something else or they see the quick win from somebody else who's probably lying about it. And they say, oh, I want that. I think there's a big disrespect for hard work right now. Um, and I tell people, you know, you don't have to do it the same way I did it. And I wouldn't even probably suggest doing it the same way I did it. But I spent about a year and a half doing like 20 hour days just learning, marketing, learning. I was driving for Lyft and Uber at the same time. Um, Like I was just putting in insane amounts of work and I attribute a lot of that to where I am right now. But most of it was learning how to pivot um, intelligently and learning how to actually dig into the market and what exactly do they want to see? Where do I find holes in the market where I can help fill and serve those were probably the biggest points where I started to up-level my business, not just being busy for 20 hours a day. Interesting. I want to touch on that a little bit. So you said you were driving for Lyft and Uber, right? Which is some people listening to this may be doing or some form of another source of revenue. What was that thing that kind of allowed you to stop driving for Lyft or Uber and consistently get clients that sustained your lifestyle, that sustained your cash flow? I stopped driving for Lyft and Uber right when I moved to Arizona in 2016. It was April. Yeah. April 5th, 2016. I moved down to Arizona. I stopped driving for Lyft and Uber because I was registered in San Francisco. And I told myself I was not going to re-register in Arizona. Like this is me burning the boat. I'm moving to a new state. I'm from Northern California. Um, I'm moving to a new state with my business partner. We're going to dive all in. And it took from April of that year until March of 2017 for me to get like make over like four grand in a month. Before that, I was $2,500 here, two grand the next month, maybe 3000 if I was super lucky. But it, it wasn't going straight from lifted Uber to being successful. There was like a full year after already struggling for three years. There was a whole other year after that of like, okay, I'm kind of picking up ground. I'm learning the business space, but it's not successful yet. I don't think I hit six figures until July of 2017, I want to say. It was like the first time I made $8,000 in a month, which still that's not a six-figure income because it's not consistent. But it was like the first time I'd like, wow, it's 8,000 or 8,400 or whatever makes, you know, 100 grand a year. 
but I also realized as soon as it happened, I was like, okay, that's not enough. Like I'm not fulfilled. I'm not driven by money either, which is a, a interesting way of being um, because it's not being driven by money, but still having the drive to move forward and grow the business and do better and get bigger clients. It's an interesting one. What do you see being the number one most important business growth strategy in the next two years? Introspection. At all points, ever, anytime is introspection. Where am I genuinely? I was just listening to a, a comedian right before we hopped on this on a podcast, and he was talking about the beauty of people pooping. It was such a weird concept. And I really love Trevor studying. Noah. Was it Trevor yeah. Noah? I literally just posted about that today. So he was on hot, have you seen Hot Ones? Oh, of course I've seen Hot Ones. I was I just watching Hot Ones just before we yep. on. And he was talking about the beauty of pooping. How everyone's and, created equal. Yes. And I was like, it's such a humbling experience. But I think that just looking at yourself in the mirror does the same thing. Like mm-hmm. literally having to sit alone with yourself. That's what makes you come to grips with like, oh, this is who I am. It's not the persona online. It's not who I put myself off to be in, my, in front of my friends, in front of my family. Like, oh shit, this is me. And this is what I have to work with. I think spending as much of your time as possible doing that, especially if you're not successful yet, will be the biggest thing you could possibly do. Keeping that same energy when you are successful is a million times harder and even more important. So I still do it. I still take three hours a week and I sit and I stare at myself. Kyrie. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Just get, get to know you a little bit better. Um, it's going to be five simple questions. We'll get into it when you're ready, man. Down. What is one non-negotiable habit you implement every single day? I play with my dogs. What is one book you wish everyone in the world would read? Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. On what do you like to spend your time and money outside of business? Uh, cigars and whiskey. What is the most memorable experience you've ever had? There's one guy, he, he had made um, $14 billion over his entire life. This is one of my end of life interviews. And I asked him if he could go back and change one thing, um, what would he change? And he asked, he, the first thing he said, he's like, can I change three things? And I was like, okay, let's play with this. And he's like, I've got three sons. I was so busy with money that I had never gone to any one of their baseball practices or games, I would show up to at least one practice of each one of my sons because I think that would have made at least a little bit of a difference. His sons hadn't visited him in 15 years. Wow. $14 billion with no relationship with his children. Zero. And six wives. All three of his sons were with his first wife and he had six wives total. And he said he hated every single one of them and they hated him back. And his sons hadn't, he's 88 years old. His sons sons hadn't seen him since like three years before he went into the convalescent home that he was in. Wow. Yeah. But I, I think that's a big, doing those interviews gave me such like a disrespect for money of like, oh, it doesn't matter at all. It matters only in the way that you're able to use it. But like just sitting there accumulating it does nothing for you. What is the most insightful or actionable event you've ever been to? I'd say it's an, it's an amalgam of like six or seven different small ones that I've been to. Everybody's super excited about like the big Tony Robbins event or the big Brendan Burchard events, the 10X growth con BS. Go to the events with like 20 to 50 people. And that's when you experience like 
genuine change. Kyrie, I have one more question for you. Since we're on the topic of end of life interviews, in your short 25 years of being on this earth, what would you have gone back and changed? At this point, nothing. Um, I, I don't think any of the, like the big bad things that I can think of, I don't think I'd be the person I am without them. And maybe that sounds cliche, but yeah, I wouldn't change any of those simply because I genuinely enjoy who I am now. And I think every single one of those was a piece of who I am. Incredible. All right, Kyrie, where can everybody find you? Where can they interact with all of your awesome content that I love a lot? <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so most of it's on like my personal Facebook page. Um, and that's facebook.com slash Kyrie Oliver 1994. You will find all of this stuff in the show notes. If you go to lvrg.it, it'll be in our blog. It'll be in the show notes on Pippa Podcast, which I'll put in this episode. And you'll also, I'll also put in the links to his Facebook profile and stuff like that. So, Kyrie, thanks for your time today, man. It's been great. Thanks for the insightful information you share with the audience. Yeah, thank you, man. Cheers, everyone. You've been listening to the Six Figure Roadmap. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about our membership, visit us online at www.lvrg.it.